Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Well, maybe we could just do a thing. See, we, this can't be part of the show because we haven't even done an intro yet. We can't do... Well, the order of events don't matter because oh it's predetermined. God. So it's going Jesus to unfold Christ. how it how it does no matter what. <laughs> it's always been that way and it will always... Some things you can't change. What does he say? There's all kinds of dumb like cryptic quotes like, oh, you can't... Everything is as it should be in the order of... Okay. The Here's, what's hap- Here's what's happening. We're starting over. Yeah. Going from the beginning. Oh, you brought a smile to this old face. I know this was good. This was great stuff. I agree. I agree. But it's got to. It's just got to stay here. It's <laughs> a good warm up. Yep. All right. Are you ready? Put it in the archives. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Well, hello everyone. Here we are once again. Elliot and Keith with the trash heap. Now we keep coming back every single time. Over and over again. It's almost as if the path laid out for us was predetermined. As if like, as if it was already set in motion long ago and no matter what we do, we can't escape our fate. Our fate is to talk into these to, microphones. Yeah, to talk into microphones in about <laughs> movies at complete random based on our ever changing moods and interests. Well, okay. I guess there's worse fates. Um, well, that's true. I mean, we're gonna. This kind of ties into the movie we're talking about. We'll get into that in a moment. First of all, Keith, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We've been to to that point. We've been putting out a show every other Saturday, and it feels pretty good to have it's, some consistency. Yeah. In in the past, there's been occasions where it's been you know, eight to ten months between episodes. I don't think it was ever that long, but there was some pretty big gaps. You would be surprised. Yeah. You would be surprised. Uh, so that feels great. Uh, I've also started a uh, a side hustle as a sort of freelance fringe chiropractor Oh. Uh, by experimenting on myself. So that feels great. I'm solving all kinds of problems. For so myself this, physically by just kind of rubbing against the wall. So in the side hustle, are you your only client? Yes, right now. I am so, my only client and I give myself five stars. Okay, do you bill yourself? Uh no, it's on the house. Oh, uh nice. since I'm I'm a student still learning techniques. It's like oh, a work study. Right, right, I've right. I've hired myself on for a work study program. Oh, that's good. Strictly volunteer yeah, it's basis. great to be your own boss. That's capitalism, baby. Yeah. Um, well, that's How cool. Are How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, I guess. Uh, sitting here on the microphone with you. But hey, I actually think we could probably pretty soon have a reunion. Like an in-person reunion. Oh, yeah. It seems like it. Or that we could just keep it like this. You know, this works too. Yeah, this is pretty good. Well, okay. So last week, it's our sci-fi summer. We're doing sci-fi movies. All- yeah, science fiction. That's what that's short for, just in case anyone's confused about was, what sci-fi is. Science fiction. I was not aware of that. Some people don't know. You know, you can't assume everybody knows everything. You know, there's plenty of references that I don't understand when I'm out in public talking to the youth of today. 
I was uh, incredibly far too old by the time that I realized, you know, put the pieces together of like the phrase smooth move, smooth move X lax. It was just one of those things that I just never thought about. And then one day I was, I knew what X lax did. I knew what a smooth move was, but one day I was just like, oh, got it. You know, the origin of that, I believe, is like that has the sound and delivery of a an adult who thought they were clever and yeah. then a kid stole it and then sort of disseminate it among their peers. And then everyone mm-hmm. said it without quite real, like no shit, Sherlock. Right. Like I remember so many people saying that with who had never read a Sherlock Holmes book in their life. And I never had either. And I had never, you know, seen any sort of Sherlock Holmes related material other than like Sherlock Holmes references in cartoons and other things like that. But I had no, no baseline for that reference at all. It was just a thing that you heard an adult say it and you, for some reason it sounded funny. And so you just kept repeating it. But also isn't like Sherlock Holmes, even if you don't have never consumed specific Sherlock Holmes media, it's just so much within the cultural repertoire that you just kind of know what it is, you know? Maybe. I think not so much anymore. Like, I've never been to church, but I know who Jesus is, you know? Well, I think that's a little bit different than Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's not, not quite the same, the same weight but I see your point. I think there's definitely some some references and things that, yeah, are everybody understands uh, just because of visibility and, like, a universal yeah. understanding, but I don't think Sherlock Holmes is one. I don't know. Maybe, I'm, maybe in Europe. I don't know. Is Sherlock Holmes say, big in Europe? I would say in Western... Well, he's from a British writer, so probably at least in England... I would say from a cultural standpoint, amongst English-speaking Western cultures, Sherlock Holmes is just kind of a known thing. Whether or not you yourself have ever read a Sherlock Holmes book, watched a Sherlock Holmes movie. Well, I will agree with you, actually, because looking at it now, Sherlock Holmes has enjoyed uh, quite a bit of... A sort of a resurgency in recent years uh in addition to let's see some kind of a, a tv series there was also that was in like 2017 there is also the sherlock holmes movie from guy ritchie in 2009 with robert downey jr rdj mm-hmm. and um there was also that movie holmes and watson mm-hmm. sherlock gnome yeah sherlock gnome which is the gnome version of Sherlock Holmes going around solving gnome-related crimes. Yeah. Like, who mowed the lawn and other weird tales. Um, and then, uh, what is that, Enola Holmes? Right. I didn't I didn't catch that one. You know, when I was a kid, I was a big fan of that movie, uh, Young Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah? I don't know if you ever saw that one. I did not. See, I was not interested in things like that. Solving crimes and wearing, like, wool coats. I was mm. not, uh, I liked bright colors and robots and time travel and uh, You would have loved Young Sherlock Holmes then because there's like a, 
a flying bicycle. Was there like a X X Files type bent to it? There was like there was a there was a lot of fantastical things in it because one there was this this guy who made these invent, crazy inventions and one of them was a flying bicycle. Uh, there was the main portion of the plot was this hallucination drug that people were given. So there was all these crazy hallucination scenes with like monsters and uh, stained glass windows like breaking and coming to life and this knight in a stained glass window jumping out of the window and this giant shards of glass attacking people. How young was young Sherlock? Uh, probably supposed to be like 14 or 15. Oh. Uh, Not like an eight-year-old kid. No, I, I was more closer. Like I liked the 10 to 12 range. As far mm-hmm. as my my crime solving kids went, yeah. uh, so like ghost ghost writer, not ghost yeah. writer, ghost writer. Yeah, yeah. Where these plucky young kids, uh, with the aid of a uh, some some uh, like a dead person, I guess, uh, solving mysteries and crimes, and then also um, Eerie Indiana. Oh, great show! You're familiar with Eerie great Indiana? Show. Yeah, that's a weird show. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can watch that on Amazon, I believe. But you can, yeah, yeah. A seemingly normal kid living in a very strange town, uh, with solving mysteries and and getting into adventures that come up with a lot of uh, wild moral conundrums. Like mm-hmm. they really challenged the the beliefs and the understanding of the world for this child and his friends. Like I'm pretty sure those kids were involved in actual murders. Oh yeah, definitely. Like not that they committed the murders, but they were like witnesses to murders they could never talk about because it was Bigfoot that did it or something. You know? Well, they also had a hand in like like bank fraud and yeah. uh, like money embezzling. And uh, I'm pretty sure there was like a time travel caper that like resulted in the kid like single-handedly causing his parents' divorce or something like that. Just like absolutely like hairy stuff yeah, for a kid sc- that they age. Weren't or sc- they weren't screwing, or screwing around. You no. Know? Really get into the... The meat of that one. What? But, 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 we're not here to talk about detectives. Well, actually, I guess we kind of are. Shit. Yeah, the actually, movie. we are. That's the a great lead-in de- because... The movie has a detective in it. Yeah, it's time to solve some crimes, some time crimes. Time crimes. We're not talking about the movie Time Crimes, though. We're talking about no. the concept. That is a movie. No, and this is the part of Sci-Fi Summer where we really kick it into gear because last week or last time we talked about junior which was sort of a fun romp that actually touched on some uh kind of serious notions and ideas i was actually surprised in upon reflection after the the episode was done i was i kept thinking about it and realized how you know all these years later watching that movie in a different context how much it challenged uh me and Mm -hmm. and and the way i think and and all that, and even just the way you look at uh, a simple comedy movie, yeah, it was so it was pretty interesting, and it made me glad that I watched it uh, without the benefit of you know the the time when it came out. Now watching it, you know, almost twenty years later or whatever, uh, it looks completely different and has a different impact. So I it's thought that was pretty a, cool. Yeah, it's definitely a movie kind of caught in a in uh, in a prism or in a crystal, you know. Where it's this unique thing that seems generic at first, but kind of isn't, and we didn't have a, we're not going to have a movie like that again. Yeah, it has more to say, or yeah. than than you would initially think. Good or bad, it's a movie that I think everyone should watch. You know? Cause yeah, it's definitely. 
it's not if you, if you really pay attention, it's not exactly what you expect. Whether or not you take your takeaway as you like it or dislike it or crap, it's still it's kind of a odd little piece. Plus, it's got those big uh, those wide crane shots that I like to tell you those, which which oh building God, you're yeah. in. Those establishing shots. Yeah. That's something that I'm really seeing. Like I've been watching a lot of modern movies lately and just seeing the difference in filmmaking techniques is Mm -hmm. that gap for me is really widening like Mm -hmm. i'm starting to really really see like oh all of these movies that i liked employed a lot of these traditional techniques and Mm -hmm. uh, and shots and lighting and all of that kind of production related stuff and then modern movies are uh starting to all look the same in fact, I watched uh, I watched this movie that's getting a lot of press called Fried Berry. Have you, uh-huh. have you heard of this? Fried I've heard of Berry. It, yes. Yeah, it's a I believe it's a Shutter original. I think that's the only place you can watch it, and it sucks uh, on quite a few levels. Not only does it squander a really interesting premise, the idea that uh, what if aliens abducted and commandeered the body of a like scumbag like drug addict you know what would happen what what would they do what would they see what would they experience uh as far as earth culture is concerned like that's a really interesting premise and they completely waste it with a bunch of sort of juvenile sex scenes there's like four or five sex scenes like before you're even halfway through the movie and none of them really serve any purpose uh-huh. at all uh and there's just nothing interesting done with that but then also it's another one of these movies that you can tell was like has a really low budget and was shot on just a, a digital camera which is great I, I mean i think it's great that anyone can just like make a movie and it's not this impossible like oh i have to secure all this funding and do all this blah 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 uh but you can go out there with a very small team and and make these movies happen but at the same time, they also all sort of look the same, and they all sort of use the same, uh, just natural ambient lighting on everything, right? Uh, because you know, digital camera sensors are way more sensitive, and, or are they more sensitive or less sensitive? I think less. I well, either way, they <clears throat> they can capture a good exposure much easier without. <clears throat> having to be overly lit, but then you also lose a lot of the really interesting styling. Uh, Even in shots, you know, in broad daylight, uh, you know, you don't realize in movies how much those are crafted versus just captured. Um, And so it just, it just, there's a lot of technique lost, uh, especially in movies like this. And like I said, this is a low budget uh, movie from a young filmmaker, so I'm not going to be too critical um, of that. But it's just it's just an, yet another illustration of how uh, the sort of democratization of you know filmmaking and video uh, has kind of set the bar like quite a bit lower. Unfortunately, well, I, I think too it's one thing that happens a lot with these. Yeah, like you said, like it's easier to make a movie because of digital cameras and all these other uh, other new technologies, which I mean at this point aren't even that new. But one thing I think happens is you have to work within the framework of the tools you have, and a lot of these filmmakers 
who are making these low-budget films are not telling stories or not shooting their stories in a way that lend themselves to the new digital me uh, medium. Particularly, I think this was very apparent when digital cameras were new, and they've got digital cameras have gotten better by far, and are actually some are almost indistinguishable from film. Yeah. But that's not always the ones that people are using. And but when when they were new, and you watch these movies that were shot on digital, and there was these new filmmakers trying to make these very cinematic looking films with n non cinematic cameras, right? And it looked terrible. And then you had uh, a movie like. Um, 28 Days Later, which is not one of my favorite movies. I'm not a huge Danny Boyle fan, but it was shot on digital. And this is someone who had the resources to make it however he wanted, but chose to do it like that and gave it this very like raw documentary look. And it worked, visually worked for that, you know? Right, it was so, very in intentional. Yeah, so I think a lot of times people don't work to their limitations, in the stories they're telling, you know, their physical limitations, not not necessarily their creative limitations. Um, and that can be a hindrance to what they're trying trying to get across. Because if you're trying to pull off things that you don't have the means to do physically, then it's just not going to work. You know, so work within the structure you have. Yeah, and in the case of Fried Berry, uh, a lot of the the sort of more surreal aspects of the movie actually work because there there is lots of crazy lighting and visual effects and things like that uh, and that's all well and good but it really is like just the fundamental like oh characters are walking down the street or you know here's a dialogue setup or this or that and just none of it looks good or even just passable you know like i don't i don't need everything to look like uh you know, it was shot on an anamorphic lens, uh, you know, by a, right. a master photographer or whatever. But at the same time, like, you know, just sometimes you, you can't help but notice when uh, they didn't even fundamentally do, you know, the necessary coverage for two people talking. Or, right. yes. you know, here's this, like, really, like, you know, bland angle of people eating, like, that makes it look like a, you know... Uh, like a TV show versus a movie or, mm -hmm. you know, there's these just big differences that just kind of take you out of it. You start, mm -hmm. you start seeing the camera versus watching the movie. Or lean into that, you know, like if you can't get around it, lean into it, make it, make the camera a character, you know? Oh yeah. Like crank. I mean, crank is a movie where the can it's super wide, you know, angle lenses and fish eyes and like all kinds of weird movements and crazy editing. And, but it's, it's, that's what it is, right? Right. Like that's it's intentional. Like yeah, and even the even the dialogue sequences, like it looks like someone's just shooting a video uh, mm -hmm. of these people, and it doesn't matter, you know. Never seen those movies. There's no consequence. You've never seen Crank no. or Crank Two High Voltage. I've only seen I've seen the I think it's a scene from I think Crank Two. I don't think it's from the first one where it's like. A Godzilla style fight, yeah, where it's like somebody in a, a Jason Statham costume, like rubber Jason. Yeah, he's got a costume. big weird Statham head. Yes, I've seen that scene, but I've not seen the movie itself. That's wild, man. Those are some pretty cool action movies. I might have to check them out. 
I think so. I think maybe we should do them for the show and just see what shakes out because I think they're pretty entertaining stuff. I'm in. Although they're not, you know, they're still kind of like scuzzy, essentially ads for energy drinks and things like that. (laughs) So that's, that's basically what it is. All right, but come on. We're here for, not for Crank. Not for Sherlock Holmes. No, we're not here for energy drinks or for, yeah, to solve mysteries. We're here for time travel. We're here for fringe science. We're here for clones and mutants and uh, futures that are distorted mirrors of our own. And we haven't even mentioned the name of the movie yet that we're doing today. It's a movie called Predestination. And this is this is really interesting to me because how we got here uh, was just seemingly at random. And I want to preface this before we say anything about the movie. For the first time ever, I want to just lay out a heavy spoiler warning and tell you that if you're listening to this, stop the show right now and go watch this movie before you listen to the rest of the episode. Because most of the movie, once it gets going, is all spoilers. It's all surprises, and it's all very critical to your enjoyment of the movie that you don't know what's coming. So just hit pause on your playback machine and go watch Predestination starring Ethan Hawke from the year of our Lord 2015, and then come back and resume playing and finish the episode. And if you choose to just listen without doing that, you were warned, it's your own fault. I'm going to try and recount the the movie in the most confusing way possible so that mm-hmm. it'll it'll make people want to go watch it anyway just to sort out the nonsense that is going to come out of my mouth. Right. You I mean there's very there's also very little you can truly say about this movie in any form of analysis without, like you said, just spoiling it because. Yeah, it's all essential to the 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 main plot. And then also everything leads up to the end. Right. It really all comes together at the very end. And yeah, every, every piece of that is crucial. And I would say too, it's fun. Like, so this was the first time you'd seen this movie, right? Yeah. And I wanted to get a, the story from you of how you found this movie, because I don't recall ever seeing any promotion for this movie. I di- had no idea it even came out and I watched the trailer and didn't recognize anything from it other than a few kind of pieces of other movies uh, but I had I'd never heard of this. I had heard of the Spirig brothers who directed it because they directed Daybreak, which is actually one of my favorite movies. I really like that. That's one of your favorite movies. Yeah. Is that day? Is it Daybreak or Daybreakers? Did I? What did I say? I think you said Daybreak. Daybreak. Yeah, the sequel to Point Break. It's right. It's about surfing vampires who rob the blood bank. <laughs> <laughs> That's I would not a very good. That's not a very good joke, but. I'm I'm in love with that concept now. So let's. <laughs> so how I came across this movie? Um, I saw a trailer for it. Uh, before I think the movie came out, it had a very limited release. I didn't see it in the theater or anything. And I think it was a. I mean, it stars mostly American actors, but I think it was a 
primarily a Australian release film. So I think it had a bigger release in Australia. And uh, I saw the trailer and it looked intriguing. I, uh, there was a couple scenes in the trailer that I really liked. So I decided to watch it and was not, it was not what I was expecting by any stretch of the ima- imagination. Yeah, it's interesting how the trailer translate into the in, into the movie because you get a sort of a mood and a sense. They tried to market it as more of an action men in black type movie without the comedy, like sort of mm-hmm. a more serious tone, but definitely action oriented. Very yeah, very it, suspenseful. Yeah, like, and it shakes out, like out a bit be... different. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the first half of the movie it doesn't even you don't even. I mean, it does tie into the mysteries. Okay. Let's give a really quick, brief synopsis of the movie. So that's based on a short story by Robert Heinlein. Yes, from 1959 called "All You Zombies." I've never read that story, but I am now interested in reading that story. I have not. I have not read the story, but in preparation for this, I did read a synopsis of the story to see how it different differs from this, because obviously yeah. this is a feature-length film versus very short story i love that that's one of my favorite gimmicks in movies is especially because just because of stephen king and maximum overdrive is you take a short story that you know might be 10 pages max and expand it into an entire movie and it's definitely mixed results sometimes it can be really well done and effective but then other times it's you can tell they're just trying to just ring out as much as they can from just nothing. The general premise of this movie, without just like quick and dry, without the, getting into like the spoilers and the aspects of what you find out what the movie is really about, is we live in a, like an alternate. It's in an alternate timeline where time travel was invented in the '80s, and not only seemingly maybe not just time travel, but there was like a scientific explosion in the '80s because there seems to be lots of technologies that are way better. In this in this time frame, and Ethan Hawke plays essentially like a time cop. He's a temporal agent, right? Uh, who goes? Who is trying? Slightly to... classier than just a time cop. Yes, he doesn't <laughs> do any splits like Van Damme and Time Cop. You know, he he where he has a better haircut. Wears uh... a suit. I mean, he has a better haircut. I mean, come yeah, on. I mean, yeah. Ethan, hey, Hawk... Ethan, Ethan Hawke's a pretty good-looking dude too. He looks great in this movie. That mustache is really working for him. His outfits are phenomenal. Yeah, the costuming is is tremendous. And I thought I did recognize a few of your signature looks on him, especially when he's <laughs> when he's dressed as the bartender. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> now I'm starting to understand what the appeal was here. There's some appe- I mean, frankly, when I saw that here was the two things that sold me on this movie like really sold me when I watched the trailer the mustache I was like Ethan Hawke looks really cool with a mustache and uh just like his time machine is basically just like a violin case that he like uh like yeah with like a combination lock a combination lock and he puts the date in that and when he does that he just instantly disappears there's no like lightning or anything like that he instantly disappears but like there is a little little bit of a sort of like a feedback like a physical like feedback but so, other than that it's... yeah there's a scene in the trailer where he's sitting in a car and he does that and all and all the car windows just sh- shatter when he time travels and i yeah. was like that and the mustache is what sold me on on watching this yeah they don't really fetishize the the actual time travel 
No, which I like. Effect, which is, you know, something we've seen in Terminator and Back to the Future and, uh, you know, whatever else, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, right? It becomes like this gimmick of the phone booth or the lightning or the bubble or the this. And they really just, and it's something you see in Looper also, they keep it as simple as possible mm-hmm. um, because that's not the point. Right. So anyway, back to the the premise He's this he's this temporal agent time cop uh, searching for a serial a, a mad bomber, bomber a mad bomber called the Fizzle Bomber. Well, in the trailer too, you get I can't remember if there was a ton of focus on the bomber, but I do know that the the real sort of poignant piece was the 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 lines he says about if I could find the man that ruined your life. And put him in front of you. What would you do? Would you kill him, or something to that effect? It's like that. Yeah, if you could, if you could put him in front of you, and I could guarantee you, you'd get away with it. Yes, yes. Would, would you kill him? Yep. So yes, there is there is. A and lot so of- you get you get a sense of that. That oh okay, like this is maybe this is gonna be a like a real sort of like historical movie, right? If I could if I could kidnap baby Hitler and dangle baby Hitler in front of you, what are you gonna right. do? Right, kind of thing, but so that that's the basic premise, and then we just kind of go into something completely different. Well, there's a whole movie. You know, you've heard me say this before. There's a whole movie before the movie starts. Like the yeah. cold, the cold open is a whole whole ass movie in and itself, and it does set up a lot of story story pieces later on, but. Before you even see the title of the movie, you get an entire sort of exhilarating story piece, like a backstory and exploration of the world that Ethan Hawke lives in as this temporal agent. And it it not only explores like this traumatic uh, case that he worked on uh, that kind of changed his life, but also the aftermath and the effects of, you know, time traveling frequently and... Uh, the agency that he works for. You get so much in just that cold open. Yeah, it's really, there's a lot going on here. I think the, there's so much suspension of disbelief in a lot of ways, obviously, that it's handled very well that like you're just, I just kind of buy everything, even though some parts kind of like, okay, this maybe doesn't <laughs> hold up, you know? Well, yeah. Under, under strict scru- scrutiny, but like, I don't. I don't think there's that many holes in it. It's just like it's just like you're along for it. You're just like, okay, yes, got it, got it, got it. I'm with it. Is and it takes some turns that are very unexpected, but are handled pretty well. I think. Yeah, you. It it asks a lot of these theoretical questions from uh, from time travel movies. Like, what if you ran into yourself and like, you know, all the breaking all the rules of like, oh, you you can't ever, you know talk to yourself because then you'll create a paradox or if you touch yourself you'll like you know turn into a gelatinous blob and create a black hole and suck the universe right into it and all of these things that are like previously been like no-nos all the rules to keep the logic in order it, it it brushes all that aside and says what if we did that right well, one thing I love about this movie, and before getting into the like, the actual like spoilers and stuff, this movie I think does something. So when I was a kid, I've always liked time travel movies, and I would always scrutinize as a little kid like 
how this stuff works, you know? <laughs> I'd be like, you know, like how kids staying up late at night, just be like, well, if the, if the, if the time starts here, but it, I never, there was no beginning and no end. When was, was before the beginning and what was after the end, you know, type of thing. And a kind of a conclusion I always came to was that if time travel was real, you couldn't change the past because everything you went to go do, you had already done because it happened in the past. So therefore, anything you do when you time travel doesn't change the past. It just ensures that what happens happens. Right. And there's some movies that we see that kind of like... Well, I think you just touched on the, the entire uh, like the, the logic behind this this story the the time travel aspect of it yes that's that's what it is and there's other movies you know that have that integrated into the plot like oh i john connor or wait kyle reese goes back and because he goes back that's where john connor comes from because he you know becomes john connor's dad in the past and the terminator gets created because the terminator was left there so this time travel paradox but the conceit is still always there that you can kind of alter the past or have yeah, control this, over your future the setup is always there's something i need to change right and in this one it's like literally the characters even say it, and you find out later at by the end but there at one point like the uh ethan hawk's boss goes like you are a gift to the world, a, a true paradox that could only they could only exist within yourself, you know. Yeah, it's living outside of the rest of, of everything time. else. That you're just doomed to, con- to repeat this loop while the rest of the world goes on. Because not even doomed though. Destined. I mean, I guess. Yeah, know. it's it's actually supposed to be this way. I guess. You're right. As as far as I could tell. Um, I, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to pretend like I completely understood everything. No. Yeah. But that's not to say that this movie is sort of bafflingly smart, uh, or confusing. No, I don't think it is. Yeah. It, it actually does a pretty good job of revealing things, giving you room to interpret and understand, and then also making sure that you understand the implication. So I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. It wasn't condescending. But it also wasn't uh, uh, wasn't sort of holding your hand either. I no. thought it was a, a nice balance of of you know giving you room to to figure it out. And I would say watching this because this is the second time I've seen it. Watching it on a second time, the amount of bread breadcrumbs and clues to what's going on is so is staggering, you know. But with because of the way the movie unfolds, it's kind of harder to put some of the pieces together before they happen. Um, even though on second viewing, it is so obvious. Yeah, I would say based on my first viewing, some of the aspects were uh, kind of like, oh, I, they're clearly going to do this. But then the, it's it's a series of very crucial reveals, like maybe four or five big reveals. The first couple, you're like, oh, well, I know, I know exactly what's happening. Right. If if you've seen movies before, because they're a little sort of by the numbers. But then what comes after? It's like going on a roller coaster, uh, in the the purest sense, but maybe a slightly innovative roller coaster. Because on a roller coaster, you you can see from the outside, you know what it looks like. You you have an understanding of roller coasters. And you can expect a certain level of something, but 
you know, in a, in a truly, a truly fresh and new roller coaster, they're going to give you some things that you have never seen before. Well, I think also the twists that you can kind of predict and see coming are purposeful misdirection. Yes. You know, it's, it's like we're going to give you a twist that we are going to be able to figure out. Right. Yeah. So that you think you've enough. got a nice foothold. Right. So while that's happening, you're figuring out this part that's pretty obvious. We're doing all this other things on the sideline that's in plain sight. You're just not paying attention to it uh, because you f- you think that you f- you think that you've cracked the code, and then wham, this other shit happens. So I think maybe at this point, is this the point to deliver all the spoilers? Well, I think it's important to talk about what happens in that cold open because I didn't right. even really understand what it was setting up until. I got to the end of the movie, but um, uh, an, a time traveling agent who you assume is Ethan Hawke is trying to disarm a bomb, and there a confrontation takes place, which ends with the bomb going off, right? And it right, like partially going off, yeah. Yes, and it the the temporal agent catches on fire and his face is burning, but manages to get back to his time traveling violin case. And uh, and get back to the future, we presume. And then uh, it's revealed that after you know a uh, major reconstructive surgery, this is indeed Ethan Hawke. But what that implies is that maybe this temporal agent didn't look like that before. Well, but they, that's, yeah, they say like they say like it's going to take you some while to get used to your new face and like your had severe vocal cord damage because Ethan Hawke in this movie kind of talks with like a like a overly raspy voice you know yeah. i think someone who, who clearly has throat damage uh so they say like you're this new face you'll get used to it but like your face was so messed up it's, he has a face transplant essentially yeah and and all of this occurs in the in favor of catching this mad bomber who fizzle is bomber yes the code name the fizzle bomber which everyone hates uh in order to obviously stop these mass bombings that are continually going off uh with seemingly no solution and no clues and no leads and just, you know, dead end after dead end. Uh, and the, the bomb, uh, the bombings are increasingly uh, more destructive with the sort of pent-ultimate bombing claiming nearly 11,000 lives in, in one felt swoop. So it's, it's imperative that they use their time-traveling abilities to catch this fizzle bomber. Mm-hmm. And so that's the big setup, and then the 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 eventual reveal is not only is Ethan Hawke the agent trying to catch the fizzle bomber, uh, but Ethan Hawke is also the uh, uh, the protagonist that we meet later, uh, and then eventually the side character. And every every essentially every character we meet in this movie, uh, leading up all the way to the actual fizzle bomber, is Ethan Hawke. Correct, because his character is uh, essentially. So there's a little girl who starts out the, in the movie, who is raised in an orphanage. She grows up. She meets a man. Uh, who impregnates her and leaves while giving birth to a child. Um, 
she has an emergency C-section. Yes. When she wakes up, the doctor, and this all takes place in like the 60s. I think that's important. Yes. Uh, the doctor says, you were a one-of-a-kind, you, you're a one-of-a-kind case. We've never seen this before, but you had both sets internally of working sexual organs. And we took out your your uh, ovaries and uterus because the cesarean, we had to, but like, and we decided to turn you into a man. Um, essentially against, like gave her a sex change operation against her will. And they're and like the, kind of, they're kind of patting themselves on the back about it. Well, I think, I believe they also had to, as a result of complications during the C-section. Well, they had to remove her ovary and, uh, ovaries and, uh, and, uh, uterus. But then they just kind of decided that like, well, we found these. Yes, yeah, since we're already here. Yeah, pretty much, and this kind of made a unilateral decision to like, well, you're not really a woman anymore because how could you be a woman if you don't have your ovaries? Right. So we'll, and you all, we've also found this, and we thought it was weird, so we're gonna just turn you into a dude. Mm-hmm. And then this person, and essentially, what ends up happening is you meet these characters, and the the big paradox loop is that through time travel, the the Character Jane, who gets turned into John. John goes back in time, meets Jane at different stages of their life, fall in love. Impregnates and creates the baby who turns into Ethan Hawke. Right. Who is actually... And Ethan Hawke takes the baby back in time to the orphanage so she can grow up to be Jane. So basically, the Ethan Hawke character we meet at the beginning is both his mother and his father... And, and his also, own child. And his own child and the fizzle bomber. And and the whole paper, point of all of that was to create a being that exists completely outside of time. And what this movie does is handles all of this so well and with such care and respect because this easily could have gone into problematic territory. Yeah. In terms of just kind of like gimmickiness yep. and also just turns in like social like this is really disrespectful to anyone who is born intersex or yeah just exploitation exploitation and it is not this because this movie besides the time travel stuff what this movie ultimately is about is identity what your personal identif- identity is the forced identity of society you know uh expectations yeah you spend a lot of time with the characters it isn't it isn't a time travel movie about time travel. It's about the implication of of time travel and also the very real human impact. Because you spend so much time with these these characters just learning about them and what what it is like to exist in all of these different time frames. And also exist as sort of uh outcasts. And mm-hmm. and where that takes them in life. Yeah, and to- and I think that's why. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of these same issues today, with. But I think setting it in the t- in the past when these uh, things were more omnipresent and more blatant, less like, oh, you're a freak because of this, or you're weird because of this, uh, and there was no acceptance of people's uh types of identity that didn't follow the norm you know just well, the very fact that the doctors 
you know, forced the sex change upon her and are like, are like saying like, oh, we did good, which is a real thing that's happened, you know, in history. And it could have been handled, like we said, exploitively. But those scenes of her like trying to adjust and trying to like, it's like trying to make a man voice and trying to talk like a man and just crying. And the scenes of her before that, before, you know, being like, well, you're a woman, this is what you have to do. And nobody likes you because you're, you don't act like a regular woman. Uh, are all handled with such care and nuance that, like I said, this could have gone south real quick. But I think it's, from my perspective, handled in a very respectful, you know, considerate in a unique manner. Yeah, what I really liked is that they didn't sort of dwell on the suffering, but you you saw a progression of this character moving through life uh, what, while experiencing adversity along the way, obviously, but also being you know sort of unique and special and being drawn into and recruited to something that celebrates you know the those special qualities it wasn't just like oh you're different so we're going to show you getting you know bullied and and suffering and and always down on the ground it became like well no like even though i've suffered and experienced this adversity it it has taken me into this you know secret you know, government organization to do something very important, or it has taken me, uh, you know, I found a way to, you know, find my talents as a writer, uh, you know, while working this menial job and, Which is, and yeah, that's know, do something it, special. It's like you, you get these really nice, like character beats that are just subvert expectation a little bit. Like my, my whole experience of this movie was that it felt fresh. Like yeah. all of this stuff felt very new and different than the way most filmmakers would handle it. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. Yeah, it's there. there is like this, like you just said, like, oh, the, you get this, this backstory about how Jane, John became a writer, you know, and that was like a whole portion of their life before becoming this temporal agent. And that's what's interesting. You know, the movie starts out with this premise you know, of the, of the time temporal agents and then instantly goes into learning about this uh, the the Jane character, yeah, and it just sort of meanders off, right? Yeah, it stops like, being a detective story for a long portion of the movie, and you kind of think what's what's amazing is you kind of think that Ethan Hawke is encountering this character because he expects John to be the Fizzle Bomber, right? And he's yes. like on the track of it, but then the movie shifts, and you're like, oh no, John is actually Ethan Hawke, but then we find out Ethan Hawke is the Fizzle Bomber, so he was investigating the fizzle bomber yeah that whole time you it, know? so it yeah so it kind of delivers on your hunch but at the same time the way you get there is completely unexpected and like i said and, the 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 first half of the movie is you sort of meander off like it the the cold open sets up the kind of the the purpose of ethan hawk and the the time travel aspect but then once uh, Ethan Hawke goes back to the bar and starts working as a bartender and starts inter- sort of, I guess, interviewing John in, a, in an odd way, <coughs> you just sort of wander off into the, the Jane slash John story. And it sort of feels like, oh, the government agency, like you can kind of see where it's headed. But it is so interesting just following this this character story. And it's not like, hey, when are we getting back to the movie? You know, when are we getting back to the time travel and the gunfights? It's like, it's so interesting. And no, it's, yeah. it's it's rarely, 
uh, there's a lot of exposition in this movie and a lot of sort of people telling stories, uh, but it's it's all very interesting and it's easy to just kind of surrender yourself and go along for the ride. It really is, and man, everything about it is the, act, the acting's really great all all across the board. The screenplay is in, is so tight. And when you get to the end, and it's like the other the other aspect of the time travel thing that it does, not just the 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 impossibility of changing the past because it's already happened. You've already you've already gone and done that because it happened in the past. If your time travel is real, all that everything from time travel has already happened. And even the rules they set up for time travel about just how their machine work are very tight and interesting and. Yeah, I feel like that the the line about uh, 53 years or whatever like could have been just like a throwaway line, but that really stuck with me. Yeah. I was like, like it was oddly specific. Right. Now you can't they say you can't uh travel 53 years in either direction beyond the zero point without like basically just like unraveling and someone goes, "What's the zero point?" Or John says, what's the zero point? Still not really understanding what's going on at this moment. And he goes, 1981, the invention of time travel. So we have this whole premise of this alternate timeline that's different from our own, where all these things happened. And we get to this point at the end, you know, where Ethan Hawke uh, confronts an older version of himself. I love that. I, I, oh my God, it's so good. I, I also wish for an alternate version of this movie where it's just Ethan Hawke jumping around time, meeting alternate versions of himself. Yeah, <laughs> because one thing, the other thing the movie does sets off at the beginning is just kind of like they keep saying like time travel can be disorienting. And I've always thought about that too. It's like if you're constantly going through all, all these loops in time, like when do you lose track of like where you're supposed to actually be? And who you are. And who you are. Because you get to this thing where the older Ethan Hawke is trying to explain to the younger Hawk, Ethan Hawke, about like how he's the how he saved all these lives throughout history with the fizzle bombing. Because he goes like, "Oh well, this guy was like going to grow up and crash a truck, and that truck was going to kill twelve people, so I set off a bomb yeah. to kill him when he was a baby." And Ethan Hawke's like, "Yeah, but you killed a thousand people with that bomb," and he's like, "It's just like the complete uh, he's completely lost grasps of logic." as this older version of himself because logic's gone out the window because he's just repeated the same things over and over and over again. And even then he's tra- talking about breaking the chain. He goes, the way, only way you can break the chain is if the older version says to the younger version, you can break the chain is if you don't kill me. Otherwise, you're going to become me. And Ethan Hawke's like, I'm never going to become you even though he's standing in front of him. So therefore, he has to become him. Right. You know? And and that's such a great a great question to ask because when does it stop right you you go back in time to stop this thing or to make this thing happen or whatever but then when does it stop like this whole temporal agency was created to continue to thwart these events and save purportedly save lives but like you can't see those ripples you can't see those waves and you can't intervene in every single scenario and situation so there's right. going to be stuff that slips through the cracks and there's going to be this unforeseen consequences and so like the entire notion of time travel is just the most dangerous thing you could think of right it, and it's so dangerous that you know it would be 
the the only right thing to do is travel back in time to stop time travel from being invented. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, but that's the thing. It's like if it's happened, it's already happened. It's like there's actually a good line in a a surprisingly good line in in a Avengers Endgame. Which not to say surprisingly because I don't I think those movies I'm not like above superhero movies. I love superhero movies, but. They're talking about like, well, why can't we just go back in time and kill Thanos since we've invented time travel? Yeah, the and, the baby Hitler question, right? And uh, Bruce Banner says, uh, "You can't change the past by going back in time because then the future becomes your past. So it's already happened. You know, you mm-hmm. can only you can you can go back in time and do stuff and get like the tool you need to bring it back to the present, but you can't." alter the outcome of the past by going or alter the outcome of the future by going into the past. Yeah. It's, it's the same concept. And that's the way it's all handled in this movie. It's one, this is by, I think easily one of my favorite time travel movies for sure. Yeah, it was, I I couldn't believe it. Honestly, I was wait, kept waiting for it to just kind of be like, Oh, okay. And roll my eyes and, and all that. But it literally kept just delivering those those ideas and reveals of, oh, you know, you thought, uh, you know, going back in time and uh, talking to yourself uh, was a problem. Well, let's show you what that looks like. And, oh, uh, going back in time and, you know, sleeping with yourself. How about that? And and the fact that that was even a possibility because it was of the way it was set up, I was like, okay, you you got yeah. me. Let's go. <laughs> like where yeah. is it, where is this going to end? And actually, I there there was a point where I even thought that maybe uh, Ethan Hawke being the Mad Bomber was as simple as him continually going back in time and everywhere he jumped from the explosions made by his time jumps he was accidentally becoming the mad bomber and just chasing himself unknowingly mm-hmm. which obviously that didn't that wasn't how it shook out but for a second there i was like oh he's just chasing his own tail right the snake that eats itself right when, and he is but just not in that way yeah but it was still yeah it's uh I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed this movie. And like I said, that you spend so much time with these characters in the first half of the movie that when it starts, you sort of hit that peak of the roller coaster and then it, it goes starts going down the other side and gets so much momentum uh, and is really exciting. And even right up to the last moment of the movie, I was really impressed with how engaged I was and how it still kept me like wondering what was going to happen next. I mean, that the, the last montage where it's just basically like finally putting all the pieces of the puzzle together in a chronological order. So you definitively know, yep, bop, 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 yeah. is handled in a way. And then that's just like so tight. And the fact that it's like, once you get to the final moment, the movie just, of that montage, the movie just ends, you know, it doesn't have that thing where it's like, <gasps> The big reveal, and then some characters talk about it and explain it. We just see it, and boom, that's it. That's all we need. No, it does have that that sort of final, uh, you know, Ethan Hawke kind of saying some things and oh, he, some very poignant words. And he's narrating over it, you know, because there's there's that recording that he's making the entire the time, and this is just the end of that recording. I'm just saying when it hits that final note, 
of the reveals, it doesn't it doesn't give the, you time to like it doesn't new characters don't come on the screen to say like oh so this is what it was the entire time. It just allows it to be to tell its own story and then come to an immediate end. You know. I wonder though, is it really? Can we really give all the credit to uh, this sort of mysterious Robertson character? You know, the the director of the temporal agency. Mm-hmm. It, 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 was this all really orchestrated by him? I mean, that I guess is one of the questions that you are left with, because he also seems to be someone who doesn't mind operating outside of the strict rules of the temporal agency. Right. Uh, and who this character specifically is. I think he's just some... The way I kind of interpreted it was that he is someone who is in th- this uh, organization who maybe kind of might realize the actual conundrum of it and the fact that we can't go back and change these things. We can't go back and catch criminals from the past, like for these very reasons that we've you, you and I have discussed in the movie puts forth. So he, I think he's just kind of enjoying the show. I think he's someone who's just fascinated by what's happening and is helping to facilitate it because he's just looking at it from a scientific perspective or a curiosity perspective and just wants to see what happens over and over again. Trying to analyze what this means on a grander universal scale. Well, right, because you understand that if a, a being is responsible for its own creation and death, it sort of wipes itself out, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, that's such a very, a very clean existence in terms of being a, uh, you know, a, an agent of time travel and serving that purpose, right? So there's no, there's no record of your existence and there's no sort of uh, uh, record of your death. You, you essentially don't exist aside from all of the, you know, reality changing events that you triggered like the mad the fizzle bomber right so it's mm-hmm. like okay so you have a very clean and tidy existence uh in terms of your 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 activities but at the same time you're a key key player in these events uh that had a, a resounding effect on uh the world at large so what does that what does that mean in the the grand scheme of things and like what happens next yeah i don't know it's uh i think that's what the robertson's character is is into it's like he's just he's clued into something like that he realizes that this doesn't work and he's just fascinated by it and playing along with the agency and all this stuff as just a means to his own uh, curiosity, I guess. It's beyond curiosity. Is uh, his fascination with the science and the uniqueness of the situation. That's how I interpreted him. I literally only have questions. Honestly, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he's an orchestrator. I wish more people would have seen this movie because I would love to hear fan theories and I'm actually going to watch this again yeah. just to see if there's any, any things I can sort of project upon to just be like, Oh shit. 
that thing happened or that person did this during this moment and I bet that means this. Like I'm yeah. ready to go down the rabbit hole on conspiracy theories and, I, and just fan theory stuff with this movie just because was... it did such a great job anchoring these events and tying them together that now it's time to, to break out of that and uh, just go nuts. Uh, I was same here because I mean like honestly like this movie is actually fairly well reviewed but there's just not a lot of reviews of it and there's not and nobody saw it like the reviews that exist are pretty good it's not like a it's not like a trashed movie by any means but I was trying to find in preparation for this like well what did other people think of it and you know from my perspective as you know uh I saw. I thought all this stuff was handled very, you know, all this stuff about the the, the gender and identity issues was handled very uh, sensitively. But did anyone else find it not handled sensitively? I was trying to find criticism of the movie. Yeah, and, and I couldn't really find anything because there's just so little um, written about it. I mean, like I said, like my perspective of it is, is somewhat limited because I'm coming from this being like, Oh, look, they, they handled these issues so thoughtfully, but I'm a straight white dude, uh, who identifies as their assigned gender. So maybe to me, it seems very thoughtful, but to someone else, it doesn't, you know what I mean? Well, and in terms of, you know, there's been lots of recent movies that, uh, you know, lots of dingleberries have rolled their eyes at and been like, oh, an, an old lady remake of Ghostbusters, here we go. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of criticisms of Dark Fate, uh, Terminator Dark Fate for... Well, that's just straight up sexism, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, but, and I think the, the, this movie is so well done that it can, uh, it, it even can circumvent like the most baseless criticism because... The, the point of the movie isn't time travel, and the point of the movie isn't that there's a transgender character, and the point of the movie isn't that there's a mad bomber. Like, all of these things are kind of equal. Like, they're all holding up. They're, as pillars of the story, they're all holding up uh, a, a equal weight. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's no one thing that's more important than the other. So you right. by not dwelling on one specific thing or 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 sort of running the idea into the ground, like you get such a well balanced, satisfying experience. When John reveals his past to Ethan Hawk, Ethan Hawk's reaction is very like compassionate and understanding. Now obviously in retrospect we know that Ethan Hawk knows all this ahead of time because he is John. But as we're watching it as an audience, we first see this as like, oh, this is a much more just accepting this as a matter of fact rather than it being like, oh, my God, you know, like this, we didn't know this this whole time. You know, it's this big reveal. It's not sensationalized. Well, and that's what I was looking for. I was looking for him to be more of this sort of uh, uh kind of cryptic character in the in their interaction because they have the big long conversation in the bar where john is telling the story right all the backstory of of jane and all this stuff and i was expecting him to be more of a uh kind of orchestrating and and kind of leading the story 
Uh, but he wasn't. He was there just listening intently and trying to understand this person. And also, uh, like you said, more compassionate and kind of cared. And I was like, what does he care? Like, he's got an end game to get to. Like, he needs to just, like, uh, get where he's going and, and move this along. And and then by the end, you understand why he cares so much and why he's uh, so empathetic and so intent on listening. And it, yeah. and it matters, right? There, it, it matters, and it's important to the story, and it's not just for no reason, uh, and I really like that. I Even the concept of someone falling in love with themselves at different stages of their life, you know, an older version of yourself traveling back in time and falling in love with a younger version of yourself is handled in, in a way that's so understandable, you know, and compassionate. It's not, doesn't seem like it's an ego thing. It's or like, you know, it's not, and it's not handled in this, this salacious way or like, it's not treated as weird. It's just basically, it's about someone, it's, it's more like a metaphor for someone finally loving themselves and who they are. Oh yeah. Period. You know what I mean? And the, the, the thing is like, because of the experiences that all of these characters who are the same person ultimately have had and the time travel aspect of it is that they there's only these brief windows where they get to look at each other and our themselves and say like, yes, I love myself wholly, you know, it's really, I don't know. It's, it's well, a really beautiful movie in, in that respect. Yeah. And there's a notion that, that people obviously change. And then in many ways, people can change so drastically that they may not recognize themselves to such right. a degree that it could be like meeting a completely new person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, normally I think if it was, if someone told me, hey, I'm going to watch this movie where uh, uh, someone travels back in time and they fall in love with themselves and become their own father, I'd be like, whoa, that sounds like a like a nutty kind of concept. But here it's very grounded and mm-hmm. it is very like, it's very touching because you know, you see the 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 way they interact is not actually. Uh, it's a little rocky, honestly. When they they John and Jane are kind of on a date together, and you you see what that looks like, and it's not as smooth as you'd ex- expect it would be, uh, which also seems very real. But it's reconciling the past with the future, and you know, it's it's essentially all the psychological elements of healing you you witness play out physically between right. uh, the different sort of aspects and and eras that this one person has lived through. Yeah. That's great. This is a great movie. <laughs> it really is so good. I mean, oh. like I said, it's just, and it's so much fun to watch on the second time too just because the amount of breadcrumbs and how well it's laid out, how tight of a screenplay this is. And, you know, these directors, the, bro- the twin brothers – um, which I mean, that in and of itself kind of gives an interesting layer to the story too. Is it you know? twin brothers, or They're is twin... it the same guy who traveled back in time to make movies with himself? <laughs> right. I... <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have a kind of interesting filmography in the sense that it's a little—I mean, it's all kind of genre horror, sci-fi stuff, but it's a little all over the place. And because the movie they made after this movie was Jigsaw. Oh, no way. 
Well, yeah, like the like the final Saw movie until well now I guess Spiral's coming out, but that, that they made that and then they made that Winchester movie, which is like a somewhat historical uh, horror movie, which I didn't see. I honestly didn't see Jigsaw or Winchester. And before that, they made like you said, one of your movies. You would like Daybreakers, which is this super high concept vampire movie that I kind of wrote off based on the trailer. Um, because it was, you know, it's just like the premise is like in a world where everyone is a vampire, some people are not vampires, you know. And it's just like, oh, like, I just like was instantly rolling my eyes when I saw the trailer for this, and then I watched the movie, and it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It, it's yeah. I I wouldn't call it anything like mind too mind blowing, but it it has a fresh premise and it delivers on that premise and kind of the third act it descends into like fairly like pretty by the numbers but yeah but it's still like bringing a lot uh uh new new to the table well and it doesn't it doesn't collapse under the weight of its own gimmick you know yeah um it's a movie that could like i said it could have i mean this movie too could have gone south so easily in in so many ways i kept thinking that it was and somehow it didn't. It just kept yeah. kept trotting along. I, and that's really the 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 most impressive part is that it didn't, it didn't go off the rails or just completely fall over. Well, I think is is it is it is it does it start to go south at any point? Because I the first time I watched it, I had the same kind of feeling where I was like, ah, oh, this is gonna get dumb. This is getting dumb. This is this. But really, what it was is because. I think I was going in with expectations of what I'm expecting to see because of what less capable movies do with these same types of time travel paradoxes. Yeah. And, you know, so you're just kind of, you think you're figuring it out, and you, but you're not. And even when you are right about something, it's not in the way that you think it's going to be. Or you're so diverted from that, you go like, oh, I figured it out. And then you go, oh, wait, I guess I didn't. And then later on, you figure out that you were right the entire time. But you forgot that you were even right in the first place. Yeah. It's, it's like if a Christopher Nolan movie, instead of being nebulous, was just fun and satisfying. Right. And held up under its own structure. Like its own structure supported it rather than... And like we were saying this last week, Nolan's movies, you know, they're this huge spectacle, but a lot of times you go back and watch them, and on the second watch, they just crumble completely, where this one I felt it got even tighter for me on the second watch. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it again, honestly, and share it with people, and I hope yeah. that they aren't turned off by any aspects of it. Uh, you know, you, you could really get into the nitty-gritty of being like, oh, well, he travels to this era, and it doesn't really look like... Uh, this and blah blah blah. I think blah, most of that stuff's done pretty good, though. You know, it it is done, yeah, well enough that it doesn't matter. And also, it's it's you only get a snapshot in each of the different places, right? Which is cool because it's right. always focused on these characters and what they're doing. And even there's even a great, uh, you know, these moments where Ethan Hawke is leaving himself recordings and instructions and. Uh, changes of clothes and things like that and he's reminding himself you know stay stay focused on what you do keep your contact with people minimum and so it's you know even they didn't apply a ton of rules to the time travel but they did apply these rules in order to keep uh the the interference and interaction with the 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 outside world to a, a bare minimum, which I think is great without having it feel like exposition. Yeah. Because he's talking to himself. He's like, he's working through it. 
I would also say too, if say, you know, we obviously gave her a big spoiler warning to anyone who chose to listen to it and now thinks that they, you know, like, oh, well, I just heard how everything falls, happens. And I know the big reveals. I don't need, it's not going to be worth watching this movie now. Watch it still because so much of this movie, even though we do get all these like shocks and surprises and major twists and things you don't see coming, I honestly do feel with this movie, it's not what happens, but how it happens. Exactly. You know, uh, you got to see this. Yep. I can't can't recommend this movie enough, especially for, you know, people who think they've seen, you know, if you, you've seen one sci-fi movie, you've seen them all. Uh, this was very, very fresh. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought I knew what the next movie was going to be in, in our sci-fi summer. And now I'm not sure. Because hmm. seeing this movie was a, a pleasant surprise. And now I'm reconsidering everything Hmm. what was what were you thinking for the next i was i was thinking dreamscape oh shit i haven't seen that in forever yeah i only saw it as a kid and scenes from it some of the more horror so the horror aspects of it haunted my dreams for like 15 years and i could not figure out what they were from until actually recently uh when i saw some clips from that movie and i was like oh that's it uh, so I I wanted to talk about that. I also like the idea of, you know, science exploring dreams and, you know, uh, exploring kind of the aspects of the human mind that are still kind of untapped and, and not understood. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, what would be a fun thing to do is, I mean, obviously, normal, most of the time when we do these shows, at least one of us has seen the movie. Yes. Generally, both of us before, because that's kind of what we have to do to be like, oh, okay, well, we've seen it, so we think it's underrated or needs more recognition. Yeah, we need a strong jumping off point. Right. But it would be fun, since you saw since I saw this one and you didn't, it would be fun for you to pick a movie I haven't seen. Or we could do something we've never done and go in blind, completely blind into something and pick something we neither one of us has seen, and then we could praise it or rip it apart. We could. There's a few... Uh sci-fi movies on my watch list uh that i've been wanting to get to like beyond the black rainbow and x same x machina um Uh, i'm not yeah beyond the black rainbow would be fun one. one i've wanted to watch too but haven't that could be a good one um i don't know does anyone else have a suggestion you hit us up on instagram you can be like watch uh this movie yeah you pick or we could watch Fortress 2 starring nope. Christopher Lambert. <laughs> I don't think anybody's seen that. But yeah, yeah, pretty much um, Beyond the Black Rainbow and Ex Machina. Oh, and anti- Antiviral, the uh, Brandon Cronenberg movie. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. yeah so maybe we should, yeah, maybe we should just continue uh, the rest of the sci-fi summer with just totally new movies instead of going back to the past. But I'll probably watch a Dreamscape, but... Uh, just for funsies, but, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, but, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. There's, there's a lot, there's a world, the world is our oyster. Well, we don't even have to make the decision, right? Because no. the, the outcome's already determined. It's determined. It was always going to be this movie. Yeah. What, what happens? Oh shit. I just almost quoted Tenet there. Maybe, did you see Tenet yet? Maybe you should I've, watch I've, Tenet. I've not watched it yet. No. Maybe you should watch Tenet and we should talk about that because... Holy shit. All right. Well, I think we could definitely work that one in this summer. Or how about this? 
the next episode, we just do predestination again. Oh, yeah. Just the loop. I'm, uh, I'm having a premonition that predestination is the, is the destination. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, does that wrap this one up? Yeah, kind of? I, think, yeah. I think that just about does it. Go watch yeah. predestination. And Seriously. Don't watch Tenet. Sorry, sorry, Chris Nolan. Don't send your, your time-traveling goon squad after me. It's too late. Um, well, thanks, guys. Yeah, go watch it. Really hope you enjoy it. Watch it alone, then watch it with a friend. All right, guys. Well, I guess that wraps it up. So, Keith? Until next time, the violin case-shaped time-traveling dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Thousands. You want to know what we're going to do tomorrow?